first up, thanks for giving me your time, mate, and welcome to the Granite Zero podcast. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to share my story. Nah, I'm, I'm pretty sure you've shared it loads. It's a hell of a story. <laughs> well, it's a unique story, and hopefully um, people can learn from it. And what I mean by that is people going abroad to these countries, whether they go by themselves backpacking or uh, as a group, you've got to be very vigilant on the police because yeah. when you leave the more western side of europe and go venturing to eastern europe and beyond the police run the shop basically they pull a lot of strings and bribery is a thing which in them kind of currents uh, in them kind of countries is like everyday occurrence but you've got to make it out that you're not trying to bribe them yeah you can't just go well do you want to this cash or not yeah you can't just go like <laughs> you've got to kind of word things correctly like basically right okay um so how do i make this go away kind of thing we yeah, yeah. weren't in that position unfortunately and it was never going to go down that route we knew something later down the line we knew something bigger was at play. Yeah, yeah. Well, we'll 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 come across that as we go through the uh, through the old pod. But obviously, your background, former paratrooper, I do believe. Yes. So what, what sort of guided you towards the paras? Is it just to be the the best of the best? Well, yes. Being in the childhood, growing up, like you were always outside playing armies, and you'd find a stick and. Uh, Basically, Elisha Russo's just scored. Sorry for interrupting that. <laughs> Get in there. Come on, United ladies. <laughs> right on half time. Sorry, I just couldn't. We just talked about Russo before. <laughs> yeah, he was, yeah. But, yeah, um, growing up, you would go, you would be out camping with your friends and we'll be like, oh, we'll play armies. And you'd find a stick that would be shaped like a gun and you'd snap a few twigs off or and you'd be like, oh, that yeah. was the childhood I grew up having. Yeah, I know exactly where you're coming from with that. Like it's, yeah, the you imagination you had as a kid to just pick oh, up, like, like you just said, like pick up a stick and just that that. I, I saw a photo the other day. I think it was on Facebook. It must have been on Facebook, and it was like a a big list of different sticks. But it was like yeah. what weapon system each stick was. Oh, and I was like, oh, definitely. So you had the little one for a pistol. You had yes. a rifle. <laughs> A massive yeah, one for a, a fucking a big, a big log for a uh, <laughs> yeah. sugar RPG yeah. type weapon. Yeah, yeah. Your imagination was tremendous. Now I see the kids and I know times have changed and it's like there's no imagination. They've yeah. got everything and they're, they're still still kind of bored. And that's my, why they're my, my two are quite quite good, to be fair. My my eldest is a is an avid reader, like she, oh, she'd, ra- she'd rather read a book than watch the movie, yeah. which yeah, is I'm bizarre to me. Yeah, I, well, that's probably she probably through my book. She she'd love to well, read all sorts sorts of books. Well, um, like I say, obviously you just got to go off what the Amazon reviews say, and like, and I can, you know, not just say it because it's my book, but I am proud when I read people saying, "Nick, I picked your book up," and I nearly wet myself because I was so. Indulged yeah, in reading a book 
I couldn't put it down and I literally had to force myself to put it down because I was going to wet myself and I had to go to the toilet and come <laughs> back. And it was just, it's just nice to hear the lovely comments. Obviously, I'm always going to receive criticism and you're going to get the, the idiot yeah, people. Yeah. Exactly how I, you mean with that. You know, at the end of the day, you don't go to buy something and look at the bad reviews. You look at the good reviews because you know they're going to be the one that's going to give you the decision whether you buy or not. Yeah, yeah. Because right? everyone's got their own tastes. Everyone, yeah. you know, and I've tried to style my book in how many books I read. So you basically, you open it up and it's straight in the deep end and then it goes back. Yeah. Way back. So my book's kind of like a, a biography, okay. real crime you know, kind of yeah. book. So it is pretty interesting. And you get uh, chapters wrote from my sister. So you're getting two sides to the, you know, one big situation that yeah, my yeah. family and everyone found myself in. But yeah, um, growing up, I thought I want to join the army. I wanted to join the best. So I, I looked into joining the Royal Marines. And because I'm a short ass. And at the time, you had to be a certain height and be good at maths. Where I'm not a certain height, and I'm shit at maths. So <laughs> I, th when I, I think me and you come from the same song sheet on that one. Yeah, so <laughs> when I was uh, in the careers office, and I'd done my barb test, and it gives you that list of what you're able to do. Obviously, my local regiment's the Fusiliers, and so he was always like trying to sway me into joining yeah, the yeah. Fusiliers, and it was either that or a chef or. A, good old parachute regiment and I went well no I don't want to be a chef that was when I was younger um because you you know I was always like baking with my mom and all that but being a chef like not just like in the military chef but it's a hard it's hard yeah, graft yeah, and I, yeah. no I can't be in the army I want to be a soldier that no I don't get I don't care what any person says when you join the army you want to be a soldier you want to go to war we know war's a horrible thing and it's obviously we're doing dirty politicians work we know this but tell me someone who joined the, an infantry regiment who didn't want to go and no, i totally agree totally agree if well, they turn around well, oh, i want to go and see the world yeah you're, you're, yeah you're, that's that I, I find that bullshit yeah. Um, for for me, for me, when I when I joined the, I wanted to be a, a PTI when I first joined up as a as I went to the air force. Uh, yeah. Failed, failed the aptitude test by about two marks on each time I took it, and then they gave me again same similar to you a big long list of all these different jobs, and I went which one's the next most physical, and they went the RAF regiment. I was like, well, I'll have a look at that. Soon as I soon as I got in there, I was like, well, I'm definitely built for being in the infantry whether if even though we get all the banter aside going well, in, yeah. go, go, going into going into the the regiment as soon as i got there i was like yeah well i say as soon as i got there the first month i was a bit shit I'm not gonna lie ironing kit was not for me but as soon as i got out in the field out in the mud carrying all that weight i was like yeah i'm definitely i'm i'm definitely an infantryman i need i can't wait to well like i say unless, unless it's gone to a, more than just one platoon in our big company we had 
believe five platoon was an RAF platoon. Whether they've uh, got bigger and got yeah, a lot company, of, yeah, I don't know anymore. <laughs> Same with the Marines F company. That was one company, and obviously you had like the support elements of their company mixing in with our support because obviously you need all three um regiments to amalgamate in uh, SFSG, but it is predominantly a uh, parachute regiment yeah yeah um, and i was thankfully yes i would have loved to have been old enough to have joined the parachute regiment when it was still the parachute regiment and like when i joined um we i think we were a year or two years ahead of schedule so obviously director of special forces and the powers to be basically while we were half through our tour in northern ireland they were obviously clearly impressed with our setup our train how ready we can be you know our motto is you drink it practice ready for anything so if we say we want a company to be ready in one month to go kicking doors down in hostile environments we will do that and that's what happened so halfway through northern ireland the company went over to uh do deployment operations with uh, uksf so that goes to show that we were definitely the right yeah definitely. to choose from and it all stems from sierra leone one para assisting uh the sas in getting the uh, hostages free. So that was really something that was a stepping stone, a driving force. And to be part of that, to learn the different roles like counterterrorism, and it was just an eye opener. It was really interesting. Um, and Parachute Regiment, yes, they're one of the youngest regiments out there, but they stand as one of being the best regiment, oh, yeah, not definitely. just in the British Army, but world renowned. Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. So I'm glad I joined the parachute regiments and uh, not the Royal Marines. Not discrediting the Royal Marines, they are very good at what they do. However, what they can do, we do better, and I'm, <laughs> I will, I will say that. The, you know, it was quite funny when we were doing counterterrorism, like coming off helicopters, fast roping on uh, moving vessels, and then going down the ladders after clearing it and pissing off on uh, on uh, ribs. And obviously, when the maritime kicked off, you were getting quite a lot of parachute regiment soldiers doing that, which kind of upset the Royal Marines. Yeah, I bet it did. I bet it did. Because you tend to find, like, obviously, in the CP world, you get there's a mixture of everybody. But the maritime, yeah. they tend to think, well, I was a Marine. I, I'm better than everybody else. It's like... And that, and yeah, there was a lot of there was a lot of companies that just would take Royal Marines on. Yeah. But I was like, at the end of the day, everyone should give, be given the opportunity oh, because definitely. if it can work on land, it can work on sea. More, quite there's quite a lot of Royal Marines that's probably never been on a vessel before. Yeah, quite. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah, uh, so, it's it's, it's like... like everyone does their own bit. We're in that big cog. Yeah. Uh, everyone pulls, you know. Well, one thing I do love, obviously, like you said, we're all one big cog. And uh, 
I love the fact that you can have inter service rivalry, inter squadron rivalry, into whatever rivalry. But as soon as but as soon as a civvy pipes up, you're like, whoa, I'll stop you there, sunshine. <laughs> and and you know, some regiments should, you know, like the PRA and for the parish regiment, obviously Marines have got that. You don't I know I probably don't really hear about other regiments because obviously I'm parachute regiment. I'm only mm-hmm. really going to hear. But for the whole like military grand, you don't really hear many of our regiments having their PR, PRA. You know, no, no. They like regiment meetings and there's so much like the once you leave the regiment, like no matter what year you were in, you will meet up. It's like you were all you're like a big band of brothers. The yeah. banners there. You, I could talk to someone who was in the Falklands, and you, it'll be amazing. <laughs> I've like got, the, I've got to say that, yeah, definitely. I think the Marines um, and yourselves are, are the best at that. I, I know that my, uh, so my mum's husband, he was, um, I think he was Royal Welsh. Mm. Could be wrong. Could be wrong. But they do that. They, they all meet up in Cardiff, and, got, and it doesn't matter if they're fucking came out in 2013 or whatever or 1982 they all meet up i very rarely see anything from my regiment like mm. but that being said i sort of distanced myself after talking about yeah, um, yeah. talking about your book when i released mine i got a lot a lot of hate from from so-called friends so i sort mm. of went right i'm going to distance myself a little bit because it was fucking doing murders for my mental health even though it wasn't mm. particularly me reading the comments it was my missus and seeing mm. her getting upset and i was like let's distance at the end of the day i know there's probably a few people from my regiment my battalion who've probably slagged me off about my book but yeah at the end of the day i've got no issues with that if they didn't like me when I was in the battalion, so what? Yeah. I'm not going to sleep on it. I, I've got nothing against them. At the end of the day, I've went through something which has entirely got nothing to do with me when I was in re- me battalion and regiment. This is yeah, me. Yeah. yeah, it was completely separate, wasn't it? Yeah, so I was, you know, and my publishers were trying to focus more on military and my, the guys, like my my agent, and I was saying, you're not going to get that. So I, ha- I went, right, okay, I'll put all the stuff that I want to put military-wise in my book. I'm not mentioning names, not mentioning uh, operation names, what I was doing, but as a whole. And obviously, because of what regiment I was in, it had to go down to Whitehall where yeah, someone yeah. from the Special Forces had to go through it. And they just went, no, 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 no. <laughs> so there's not much of military in. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> because I can't because of the secrecy I can yeah. what regiment I, I was in. Like I can't yeah. disclose it. Not that I was disclosing a lot. Yeah, yeah. But a lot was chopped yeah, out. Especially if you were doing those type of jobs, like Exactly. And I was thinking, well, I'm not writing the book because of me military, but nah. we've got a because of how my book is. It's like a biography kind yeah, of. Yeah, I get you. It's got to be a backstory of myself. Yeah, of course. Of, of course. You've got to set the tone, haven't you? 
This is this yeah. was my background. This is why I went into do fucking hell, I just said but it'd be Mike. This is why I went into blah blah. Yeah, but like I say, if I was to write stuff that happened in India, that yeah. was totally fake, that was totally bullshit and lies. That I've got fifty odd of our people turning around and saying, "Hang on, Nick, that never happened. That yeah. never happened. That never happened." And yeah, definitely, I'm sorry, I don't have the best of memories, but <laughs> what I've wrote in the book is me, yeah, and a little bit of the others, and I thank in my book, the people that I was in prison with, because if without them putting all the stuff together to give to the lawyer, we wouldn't have start, stood a chance no. from the get off. We would have just, we were literally dropped on our asses. So I only, and at the end of the day, why should I write something about my book slagging other people off? Why? No, exactly. Because outside audience they would just say oh well he's just slagging people and i've had that when people who are probably non-military reading about the military chapters because i have a go at the marines like mm. tongue-in-cheek yeah, yeah, yeah. and stuff yeah, like this yeah. because that's the banter between my uh yeah. my regiment and the marines it's Definitely. the relationship so to a military personnel they would they could say that but to someone who's non-military, they'll be like, oh, he's slagging the Marines off. And uh, yeah. and I, re I read one comment and he was like, oh, well, he's constantly going on that he's innocent, he's this, he's that. And I'm thinking, because I am innocent, man. You're <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I just want to know if people think i got a, a nice, lovely payout of compensation. I would love people to, I wonder if people think, well, i got a nice handout. Oh. I think people, some people might have thought, hang on, he must have got something for wrongly being. And people, and people have said, oh, he's doing another military guy doing stuff for money. Well, I haven't, I don't really mention it that often, but I'll mention it here. I'm still owed a six figure sum in wages from the company I worked with, which I'll never get. And guess what? The country of India offered me £10 in compensation. So to anyone who That's thinks awesome. I'm handsomely paid in compensation, you're sadly fucking mistaken. Fucking 10 quid. Yes. 1,000 rupees they offered us. Fucking <laughs> hell. You know, is... what we, you know what was said to the legal team? No. Tell the gang, get a fucking cuppa. <laughs> and get a cuppa. 10 quid. How does it get? That gets you, what, two Guinnesses these days as well? Which way, I, <laughs> maybe a, a, a pint and a half. Yeah, fucking hell. Yeah. That, is, that is mental. But like it's I say, I, I don't shy away from things. People can ask us anything. No, that's fucking like, that's awesome. At the end of the day, I got on well with people and we had well, disagreements with people. You're going to get that. Well, you know, we're constantly on top of each other. We're all hurting. We're all missing my families. Everyone's got different habits, different personalities. Well, there's three different countrymen. Yeah. You're going to get arguments. Yeah, of course you are. So how, well, how did it all sort of 
kick off? Because obviously you were out doing, was it was it anti-piracy you were doing? Anti-piracy, yeah, but we'd stopped operating because we needed fuel and provisions. And yeah. we were off the coast of India due to a cyclone, which under maritime law, you can seek shelter from a, a you know, one of those nature yeah, things. Yeah, I get you, yeah. Earthquakes, you, you blah blah. But in our case, there was oh, like a an act of God. Act of God, yeah, that's the word. I couldn't, couldn't think of it. So, because we're on a boat, maritime, and we had a vessel coming to us, there was absolutely no reason for us to inform the Coast Guard of Tutu Kudi. There's, the, 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 there's no need because we weren't entering their port because. What a lot of people might not realise with vessels, they have a, a certain certificate on what port they can and cannot go to and what port, you know, they go to, to where, like, you know, your container yeah, ships. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. yeah, they, yeah. Go, they berth at the most expensive part of the uh, port because they're on a tight schedule so the port want to get as much money as can in such a sort of place um well at the time we just got rudely awakened by our tdo which is your tactical deployment officer and he says we've been boarded at daft o'clock in the morning by the coast guard and we've been instructed to head towards port and obviously we all kind of woke up once it was getting a bit daylight we could see the coast guard armed uh going around was circling and the bloke was just not speaking he was just stood on the bridge and i said like what's happened and he, oh we're going to pour for questioning or something and i'm like well hmm something's not right how does anyone know we're here there's only like what the agent the people that bring with the food, fuel and provisions. But what we didn't realise, we moved a bit closer to where the Indian crew could pick up phone signals on their phones. We had to be a little bit closer uh, yeah. for mine to get activated because um, I, I didn't have an international SIM card at the time. And uh, the rumour has it the second officer hadn't been paid on time by the company. And even though all the weapons was stored away, locked in the pelly boxes, and only two people on that vessel could have access to that room, the TDO and their captain. I believe, or as time went by, we all believe that the second officer has told the port authorities something which has alerted them yeah, it definitely sounds like he's he's gone a bit lemon because he hasn't been paid. Yeah. So oh, by the and way. Done, yeah. Or the agent has dobbed in because when you watch yeah. the video of him talking with the police, he's laughing and joking. And I, I'm thinking, doesn't it's not really a laughing and joking matter. No, that, no, no. That's quite a serious matter, if anything. But he wasn't on the charge sheet anyways, but if there was a cat or dog on that vessel, that would have been on the charge sheet. Literally, they put two and two together and come up with 10. There was 35 personnel and there was 35 weapons. However, only 25 personnel could you legally be used, but could use them weapons because they were the amount of securities. But in the eyes of India, they 
every man jack they could use a, a weapon uh and it just escalated from there when we got a port it was bustling of different organizations not just from the local area but from as far as mumbai and that's when it daunted on me that i thought there's absolutely unless they've got a a very quick private jet there's no way they could have gotten there in that time or maybe they did but why would they have been notified it's just a short space of time yeah, is yeah. what got me um and this is when i believe and i think we all can believe and rightly so say it was a seizure exercise yeah to basically use us is basically look we can patrol our waters because there was the whole carry on with india being struck off the un basically yeah the yeah yeah yeah. Was that, do you think it was a bit like them flexing their muscles a little bit? Yeah, because, we, don't, we, don't, uh, we don't need you in these waters. We've got we because they're going around murdering fishermen. They weren't even PID in actual terrorists. They were just going around saying, "Yeah, we've destroyed pirates." You know, you've just destroyed a fisherman, mate. Yeah, you just you destroyed someone yeah. who's earning a living. Exactly, um, and they're just reckless. And basically, the thing, oh, because it's the Indian Ocean, we can police it. It's our ocean they can't be shit because if that was the case they would have prevented the uh mumbai bombings yeah yeah mumbai type, to which their media were linking us to something similar you know, i've got like my family ringing me when i was at portside saying look we're reading stuff online saying you're selling weapons to fishermen and you could be doing a Mumbai-style attack on a nuclear power plant. I'm like, and my dad's saying, is this true? Fucking I, went, hell. I went, Dad, are you joking? He says, well, from what I'm reading, no, it's not a joke. I said, you're right, it's not a joke, but that's a joke what you're reading because yeah, yeah. I'm not selling weapons to fishermen. I said, I'm doing security, and I've got 12 Indians on this vessel. Ten of them are crew. Yeah. So whatever you believe, unless it comes from me, yeah, discarded. Yeah, that's got. You got to think that it's it's like I've always said. There's no there's no truth in the news, and there's no news in the truth. Like exactly. Especially that is fucking case in point right there. Yeah, unless it comes from horses, mouth, don't believe it. But uh, it was just a nightmare. It must have been squeaky bum time as well. That's been like, it was, yeah, especially loads of different organizations keep constant. You're never able to have a rest, you're always on guard, kind of thing, wondering who these people are, what's happening. And so you're thinking, that... why is there no one from the company here? Yeah, I was going to say, did the, did the company not do anything? Did was um, there any representative one... from the embassy or anything like that? Well, we had obviously the agent, but no, yeah. apparently we had some guy come from the company, but he was getting on a hot collar thinking he was going to get arrested. So apparently he jumped ship and gone. Apparently we also heard the embassy wasn't allowed to gain access to us um, port side, whether that was true or not. We did ask them, but I, I can't actually remember what they said. I think they said no, we hadn't, but they had been notified. Right. But as soon as we got a port side, 
And we realised, hang on, this isn't going to be resolved. We got in touch with the embassy straight away. We got in touch with the company straight away. Um, and obviously we're families. Um, we're showing all these companies the weapons and ammunition. They were basically, nah, it's all legit, it's all legit. And then the local boys, uh, Q Branch, which is the anti-terrorist unit, yeah, they were looking like uh, they'd fucked up, basically. So they were having none of it. So basically, they just turned around and went, right, we found weapons. So they've lied, found weapons. And then day four of day six, they removed the weapons because they felt them being there was a threat because they literally showed, showed force. They had a massive four-tonner four turn up, where well, a couple of four-tonners were loads of armed police turn up. And we're thinking, do you honestly think there's going to be a standoff? Are you absolutely taking the mic? But obviously, but we were complying. Yeah, yeah. Dropped his ass. We were complying. We were, were professional. Yeah. Um, and not like you were digging your heels in and fucking no, being no, dickheads we about trying, it. We were complying with everything. We had nothing to hide. We showed all the weapons, but they were saying no, no, no. Yeah, that's and gonna be a big. That's gonna be a big flag for for like for you guys. Yeah, that you had all this, all the documents, everything was fucking tickety boo, and then they're still going, no, no, that, that's not right. It's like, hang on, it fucking is. Something yeah. isn't right here. They were, they were saying the certificates don't count for shit outside the UK. Oh fucking! There's not just certificates from the UK. Yeah, you know, but day six came. So obviously it all started um, on the morning of the 12th and on day 18 in the morning, two busloads came and they informed us we are going to hospital. However, we can't take phones, wallets, people couldn't take their wedding rings, reading glasses, cigarettes, had to take our belts off. Obviously, we're not stupid. We knew what was happening. So yeah. the TDO literally said, right, guys, you know what's happening. Let's not just, let's not uh, kid yourself. I suggest you get on the phone to your families. Mind, this is like seven, half seven in the morning. So four hours, four yeah. and a half, three and a half hours. Uh, sorry, four and a half hours. It was daft o'clock. Yeah, you'd be lucky if anyone actually answered the phone, if you're phoning that. Um, so I knew I'm never going to get my dad up. So my first point of call was my sister. She never answered her phone. I then rang my mum. Uh, she was like a bit groggy because her tablets hadn't kicked in. So I kind of said to my mum, I went, right, mum, I'm sure you're very aware. Um, just want to let you know that arresting will, that removing me from the, the ship. I love you. Don't worry about me. I just don't know when I'll next speak to you. Um, and I didn't really get much from my mum, but that was the last time I've been able to speak to my mum yeah. after she had a double aneurysm uh, during just before Christmas in 2013 whilst I was in prison. And during that time, my sister was ringing us back. So I said, look, ma'am, I'm going to go. Oh, well, Lisa's ringing us. I went, right, Lisa, shit's hit the fan. 
get the embassy. I love you, but they're arresting me. Take care. Don't worry about me. Yeah. And that, that was it. It's got, you got, well, you, to be fair, you've got to be quick and to the point so that shit gets done. But so, uh, it's got to be a, it's got to be flap central though. When yeah, yeah, we're all going. Especially if you're trying to call, and obviously they've given you a fucking stupid time to call because they they clearly know what time is going to be in the UK. Yeah, yeah. So um, trying so to get been, older people at that time of the morning. Fucking hell! I, would have, I wouldn't have left the ship unless I spoke to someone. Yeah, simple as that. Don't fucking I anyone. Wouldn't left, <laughs> I wouldn't have left. Feeling that I would have obviously left a text message or a voicemail, but. Managed to speak to my sister, but yeah. As soon as we got on the bus, it was like two armed police officers per person, so it was very crowded. We weren't in handcuffs. You don't know the state of their weapons. <coughs> yeah, yeah. The, the rifles are all over the shop, and you're like, move that out of the way. I'm not, you know, the way the drive is so erratic. Any yeah. bump, you think shit, a round's going to go off you. Um, the media were. Flying down, there were blues and twos on. We, we were like something massive. Something like this to this little village. Town has never happened. Yeah. These people have probably not even hardly seen white people. That's... <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, it just was manic. Uh, we never went to the hospital. Went straight to the police station. That was manic. We got a bottle of water. No food. Nothing. No one from the company. No... Uh, translation mind one of the Indian uh, excuse me one of the Indian crew was from Tamil um, and could speak English so he not only was getting grilled so we had to delegate someone who could speak English and Ukraine yeah. Estonian English and obviously oh. us he would then translate from Tamil to English. Then they would then go, and it was it was a long process. But that's what happens when you're abroad. Yeah, yeah. Not everyone speaks English. No, of course not. Westerners need to get out of our little heads and yeah. think. Even yes, even though English is the worldwide language in business. In business, yeah, we are we are very but, arrogant with it. With we're, we're, we are our... we are very arrogant. They might not be able to really speak English, but they can friggin' understand it. Yeah, yeah. That's why I'm saying if people are going to be, like, racially abusive to foreign people, you best not, because they can understand and they're not yeah, stupid. Yeah. But honestly, these people were absolutely lunatics. Re the sign right... I'm saying, I'm not signing nothing. It's a blank piece of paper. No. Like, they gave you a blank piece of paper. Jesus yeah, you've got the details with my passport. Like, if you were to take our charge sheet with all of our names and give it to a UK court, it wouldn't even begin. They couldn't, this is how stupid they were. The police couldn't even write your names from your passport to a piece of paper correctly. And you think, oh, what about the... Uh, Estonians and Ukrainian passports. Yeah, they got they got and, they got crazy yeah. letters as well. <laughs> in English, you can read it in English. You know, it's just like like it's just mental. Like our original passport, it was English and yeah, French yeah. one. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah. But uh, it was just absolutely ridiculous, uh, and we finally 
got back on a bus. It was dark. We went to the first prison, Palam Courty. Got there, I think, about 11, half 11 at night. Mosquitoes are doing the rounds. And when you looked at this prison, you were thinking you're entering the gates of hell. This prison was built under British rule. Beautiful. So when, so when they realised six out of the 35 people were turned up were British, they were like, whoa, she was on the other foot. Because yeah, the definitely. state of Tamil Nadu is so anti-British from even Indians telling me because that part of India cannot grasp that we used to rule India. And, the, and that, that, that part of India is disliked by the northern parts. They're a very disliked state. We were going through the gates of hell. Ah. That's where yes. we were. So, going into this prison, it was just like, wow. You're thinking, what on earth is going on? Be Going to prison should be Dalton regardless. Yeah. But going to a proper prison. Like, I, I know the UK's got some tough prisons, but they're not tough enough. Yeah, it must, it must yeah. the, from the pictures that I've seen that you sent, that sort of makes the the prisons in Britain look like a holiday home. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm, I'm a, like, there was bad people in that prison. But what I'm trying to say is, you take one of our bad criminals and you put them in a prison that um that I was in, they'll be crying for ma'am. Yeah, yeah. I'm not saying I'm Mr. Tough Guy myself, but I was. I cried for my mum. Yeah, I bet. I bet. I bet. I just rolled down uh, my eyes. But you've got to stay strong. Um, not just for yourself, but for your family. You, when the embassy comes in to see you, you've got to not show weakness, because you want to show to the embassy that you're okay, you're fair enough. So it is a bit of a relief for your family back home. Yeah, yeah, of course. They're going to be like having kittens, anyways. They, they don't. They, as long as they know I'm okay, yeah. that's all I'm bothered about. I'll use my military training to, when the shit hits the fan, to deal with it the best I can. And yeah. even that sometimes wasn't enough. You had to go to the next level and beyond because that's how it was. It, it's not the military where you have to be physically robust yeah. and a bit of mentally. This was just pure mental. It's got, to, it's got to be. And that that's as crazy that you're dealing with what you were dealing with, which we will we'll go into more detail, but also that little niggling thought in your head to say, I've got to still remain the strong person here so that my family can see that I'm okay, so that they're not panicking too much. That That's, that's a crazy mindset to put yourself into. So we're in that prison for a couple of days um, and then the 23 foreigners. So the, the 12 Indians remained at that prison. To this day, I don't know why. And then the 12, the 23 foreigners were shift, 
shipped up the Chennai uh, to the remand prison where most, and we were put in the foreigners compound. So we came across different foreign criminals like Nigerians, Sri Lankan uh, terrorists, couple of Syrian uh, meth dealers, dodgy people with this wood, that, you know, and yeah. if you have so much money on you over there, they think you're a criminal because it's all money. So if you, some guy, he had $50,000 on him and they were like, off you go in prison. And then his deal was, we want half kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. And he was like, he was being stubborn. And it was like, <laughs> so basically he was there for a couple of days and he left. So basically his lawyer's gone. Stop being an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> half for your 50 grand, jump on the plane, gain you in with 25 grand. Yeah. Still worth 25 grand, in it? Exactly. So something, it was something like that. Um, but it was, it was mental, like when they were reading the, the newspaper and we went into the prison up in Chennai, they were, we had people going, oh, can you get my weapons and stuff like that? Because that's what they were saying about well, yeah, they my must weapons. Thought, they must have thought you were the fucking Lord of War. Yeah, yeah. And I <laughs> were like, well, like, don't be daft, man. Don't be daft. Right? We're security, you know, doing the piracy. Oh, all right, all right. Um, so we're in this prison. It was tough. We were like barely able to hardly eat. The, you know, it was, we had to cook by ourselves. We're not chefs, so it was horrible. The, the heat, the conditions, living on the floor till we were able to get these thin little mattresses with the help of the embassy. Uh, we all got ill, like the point we used the outside toilets for during the day and then used the, the hole in the floor toilet yeah, yeah. once we walked up at six o'clock. So we were able to walk around the prison and the compound between six, 6.30 and six, 6.30 at night. Um, but you were just like, so you were just were going day to day, waiting for the embassy to say where, yeah. so we could get letters sent to them letters from home as well because we didn't we weren't too familiar with the postage and i don't we, i tried it and my letter was sat in the jailer's desks for about four weeks so i grabbed that and i gave it to the embassy when they came in we all got ill i believe we probably got dysentery and well we did get dysentery but i think it was probably doused down to stress heat being shit cooks you know yeah. what I mean? I think we'll probably just give well food poison. But I've never seen it go through so many guys in rapido fashion. But I remember I was lying in my cell and I was like, oh, I need to go to the toilet. And I was walking across the, the courtyard and I just kind of just threw up. Oh, and, then I, and then I shit myself at the same time. And I was kind of laughing and crying at the same time. Wanting me <laughs> yeah, I, I could see, I could sort of see where you're coming from with that because like, I'm go we're going to die here. We're going to die. You here. Can't help but laugh at that sort of situation. Yeah, exactly. That's like probably a bit of military humour. Yeah, you get some rat, rat incident. Rats over there were massive, man. Like yeah, not in my cell at night, and but being military, we 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 in the face of adversary, we were trying to laugh things off. So we had like. 
from the prison shop these this cake which was individually sliced so they said to me we want to uh, see how many slices you could get in your mouth without uh, swallowing i think i got probably three quarters of the way through and then someone made us laugh and i just spurred it cake out. <laughs> um but yeah you when, when you because you, you you could never have a solid shape it was always liquid with a, just the heat, the food and all. Yeah, yeah. So we'll kind of, so you put the tap, the tap on just to try and mask it, but then it, it couldn't. So people were acting like little kids, listen to squelchy <laughs> fucking shit and all that. So that kind of lifts your spirits a bit. But you got, you got to, you got to find some sort of morale in, in any do. situation. Otherwise, you, yeah, like you said, you're you're gonna just go on a. You're just going to come and we're, we're doing that anyways. It was difficult. It was, it was, I so. it must have been. Think of your family. It was just so hard not to. Um, you don't know when you're next going to see them or anything like that. Um, and then, like, just before Christmas, the embassy came in. I was getting a bit worried because I hadn't heard from my family. And I remember one of the other guys, he got he got told to uh, stay behind by the embassy. And then obviously later on, he then got a visit. So that was quite good for him. Yeah, it was yeah. good to get messages and probably whatever sent from my family to fire them, which was a good yeah. help. So that's what we did with the families, which is what you would do anyways, wouldn't you? Get in touch oh, yeah, with definitely. We're all in it together. Might as well try and uh, be a bit friendly with everyone. You know, the, it's no one's fault that we're in this mess. Um, not everyone could get on with each other. That's part and parcel of life, unfortunately. You know, tell me people who get on with each other all the time. Yeah, it's nothing. that must have been heightened um, as well. Exactly, yes. Um, and I got told the same. Oh, can you stay behind? So I'm like a Cheshire cat, aren't I? I'm buzzing, thinking, oh, someone from my family's come to see us before Christmas. And uh, the embassy, I've never seen a face be such a killjoy. And I knew something was up. And she gave us this letter. And to this day, I don't even know what the whole letter says. It was just my sister basically telling us not to worry constantly. She's all right. She's all right. And it was... I remember waiting to go, and my mum, well, she always was complaining about migraines and stuff like that. And Women are more prone to migraines than men, so they always complain they've got a bad head, normally because yeah, yeah. we're giving them a bad head. But... I never put two and two together. And then obviously in the letter, my me, me sister's told us, my mum's so had a double aneurysm while at the hairdressers and they've had to do emergency brain surgery, uh, which we, she was given 50-50. Basically, if we're, well, I think she was probably given less than 50% to live. It was if you don't operate, she dies. If, you, if we do operate, she still might die but there's a chance you may survive. Yeah. Mm. So obviously the family's gone, operate. Yeah. And then I'm in a prison for a crime I don't even know what. And I'm having the embassy try and tell me, me mum, and I'm like, I've gone into, if 
my my mom dies and I'm in prison, that this can't seriously, I'm going to unleash, unleash hell. There'll yeah. be no point in me existing. I will take out everyone. Um, and the, obviously the tears come and that's when it, the red mist starts coming down and yeah, I'm course, like, yeah. I'm trying to push this red mist away. So I say my goodbyes and from where the jailer's office is to where our compound, it was close to nearly a mile away. It was a massive prison. And I'm walking out in tunnel vision, you know, shuffling my feet because obviously I wasn't rushing to get back. I'm getting pelted with stones. I'm getting racially abused. I can get gather the way the the way they were shouting at us, the other Indian prisoners. But the pain I was going through, them stones didn't even. Yeah, make yeah, it of course not. No, I'm, I'm not going to feel another pain to, like it. I was trying to like think of what's what 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 the hell's going on. My mum's in hospital. She's dying. I'm in a prison halfway across the world. What the fuck do I do? So I managed to get back to the compound uh, without losing my shit. And one of the guys came over and I just broke down and he took us away. And I said, look, I can't do this. Fuck this. I can't do this. If my man dies, my life's over. They'll not even let me go to the fucking funeral if that's the case, because they'll be scared in case I don't come back. To which I said to the embassy, if my man dies, I want official documents signed to where I will come back to India after the funeral. I was prepared for that. Yeah. And the embassy was saying, do not think like that, because you will not go home. They didn't word it in that context. Yeah, yeah, they were sort of preparing you for yeah. They were more or less getting me to realise you'd not be going for the funeral. Yeah. They didn't physically say, well, because fortunately and thankfully, that never came to happen. Um, and I was just broken. We were, we're all broken, but like I'm, I'm just devastated. I, I, I just didn't know what to do. But it was either... Sit, worry, or crack on and stiffen me up my lip and not let my negative not let the negativity that's happening back home rub off onto me because the problem with negativity in this situation, it spread it spreads like fucking wildfire. Oh, course, yeah. One person's down in the dumps. It yeah, and yeah. then you're all down in the dumps. And we're in a position where if we are all down in the dumps, fights amongst ourselves can happen because emotions are flaring up. And it makes your days feel like weeks and your weeks feel like months. And that was happening anyways. But my sister came out in March for my birthday to see us, which was great. It lifted my spirits, lifted everyone's a bit. Um we managed to get bail in April 2014. So obviously from prison, October the 18th to April 2014, we managed to get bail where we had to sign at the local police station twice a day. Um, 
under strict bail conditions because those scan cases were bloody done with one. I'm thinking, how the hell am I going to get out of this country? Yeah. Um, <laughs> and then July 2014, that was it. Case quashed. I've got no charges free to go home. But under their law, you've got a 90-day rule. And I'm thinking, so we've got to wait another three months. So we had this meeting at the embassy where people came down from New Delhi and we had our lawyers to look into Indian law. And they, two different law, Indian lawyers, stated the same Indian law. During the 90-day rule, there's no requirement for us, especially with no charges, to remain in India. But the reason why the British government didn't pursue that, and that's the only that's the time in, where I will say the government failed us. Yeah, yeah. They turned around and went, we don't believe they'll appeal. I said, you're not dealing with these people. We are. Yeah. You, you, you don't, you haven't got a clue. They do not care. And day 88 come, we're getting a bit excited. Families at home are no doubt getting a bit excited. They end up putting paperwork saying the weapons are uh, illegal and that, that we're in territorial waters. Up to Supreme Court. Well, coming from a, a police organisation, I think in their country, they're more or less just entertaining it anyways. Yeah. In the in the UK, they'll probably go on what grounds? Yeah. So, and then it went to trial. So nearly over a year and a bit, um, with no charges, pending trial. Obviously, when you go to a trial, you have, have to recharge it. Um. So we'll have to sign no charges. I didn't want to, but the show couldn't start. Um, so it was quite uh, frustrating trying to get everyone to sign because people were just saying, no, I'm not signing, I've done now. I'm not putting no charges, but I think once people realise, though... Yeah, you've got to get that ball rolling. rolling. Yeah, we can't progress unless everyone fucking signs, basically. So the trial starts in September 2015. Uh, during that time in India... I met a, a lovely lady who helped so so much for my family when I was in prison. Um, we formed a relationship. Obviously, we're not together anymore. Um, but she'll always remain in my heart for what yeah, she yeah, does. Yeah. Same with my family. She, she was amazing. And, you know, I'm glad she was there helping. Um so the trial started. I had to go from Chennai down to the Korean for the trial because it was back in the lion's den, the, the courts that the police run. So oh. I was thinking... You're thinking the worst straight away? Well, not so, not so much because I'm thinking we've got, to, we've got to not have that attitude. Yeah, I get that. Yeah, you're, but... you're accepting defeat. So we 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 took it on that we're gonna we're gonna win. Give them with confidence. They, they, don't, they don't have a leg to stand on. 
So the court wound has got the front and centre, and his benches is the judge. Down the right side, as you're looking at it from the back, are lawyers, embassy, prosecution, everything, where all the, at the back stood up behind this bench. It was hot, horrible, and basically, like I was saying to you earlier, like, I have a word with my legal team saying, look, I'm not coming back here unless the judge physically asks for me to be at that court. I am not turning up. I'm not listening to lies. Yeah, It's sickening. It made the pits of my stomach ill. When I hear the collector of evidence stand on the stand and turn around to our legal team saying, if I'd seen the ballistics export experts report, I will not have put the charges on the men. However, it doesn't matter because they took his original statement anyways. So that was just a yeah a waste of time. But it made me think we're fucked. Mm. But you still have to have that little glimmer of hope. So it got to like Christmas recess. Uh, of the trial the next point was judgment day the decision day which was the 11th of January and the lawyer said we've done everything right well it got to the point where we had the map they they had the map and we were saying show us on the map where that vessel was people yeah. ask me people have asked me this did you ever say you weren't in international work? work? Did you ever say you were not in uh, national waters? I said, no, because we were in territorial waters. Yeah, yeah. Because in, in the Maritime Code, due to yeah, acts yeah. of God, you can seek shelter in a neighbouring country. We never once stated that we, we we just said, well, you prove to us where we were. Yeah. We're not saying, we didn't say nothing. You've got to prove, and they couldn't even do that. So who, so who told them where we were? Yeah. Because original statements and all that, their radars weren't working. So who told us yeah. where we <laughs> So if radars weren't working or anything like that, so someone must have gone, we are at coordinates. Yes. Blah, 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 blah. That's when it, it opened your eyes even more to think we've been sold down the river. Yeah. And me. corruption at its finest. Um, we were being made an example of. Simple as that. Disgusting, Shit. Disgusting, really. Um, it was just hideous. It was just horrible. Like, what can you do? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like a holiday where you kind of get game, and you're not getting paid. So a hell of a holiday. So my family <laughs> is paying for things, yeah. but no help, no financial help from the British government. Nothing, say, from, nothing from the government, uh, the company I work for. I had to live on handouts from military charities. My family did many. Yeah, I was going to ask. Did it? So obviously, like you just said, there was not nothing from the government or anything like that. 
So I, I always, the I always from, the support from the like the veteran community. Oh yes, tremendous. I always say, if it wasn't for people's support, I wouldn't be here today mentally. Yeah, they got us through it. Just my sister like used to go on social media to just help update people on, and the comments that people used to leave was. I said to my sister, I want to see these comments because she was telling us about them. So she used to put, print them off and yeah. send them in letters. And I would just read people's lovely comments. And I was having yeah. people write to me from around the world, you know, from America, Canada. Must, yeah, that must have given you um, a little bit of morale boost. And it was such a morale booster, really. But you need more. You need to be yeah, reunited with your family. And yeah, it's it was, all well and yeah, it's all well and good. You you get in the letters and whatnot. That that will last a, a couple of days, couple of weeks. To but you yeah, you, considering so, considering you're in there for something that you didn't even do wrong. Yeah, you, yeah, you had to get you had you had to get out. So we've got this recess. Obviously, with my previous partner, we we celebrate Christmas and uh, New Year. Obviously, not too overly. Uh, over the top, just meal, few drinks, coffee thing, and this is the last Christmas in this country. Um, and then it daunted. It was time to rumble. The media are ringing us off the, the bounce. I'm like, I'm not even a court yet. Man. Yeah. If anything gets said, it'll come from my sister. Um, court was just ridiculous. Uh, and then I, I was talk, stood next to one of the Estonians, and I caught in the corner of my eye, I saw loads of police go down the side of the court. And I said to one of the lads, uh, I went, This doesn't look good. Gans, what do you mean? I said, Why is all these coppers stood inside? Are they expecting some, something to happen? Like, and like, I've seen, I keep saying this, but it's true. I've never seen, I've seen some scared people's faces, but like when the lawyer came up to speak to us, because the judge's little minion stood up and waffled something. And Madame Cuban yeah. didn't know how quick to move in her flip-flops. And we looked straight away. Because she, she didn't sneak out. She kind of bustled out. And yeah, we're yeah. thinking, I go on, fucking run. She's getting the fuck out of Dodge. She's getting out of Dodge because she knows what's just been said. Um, One of our embassy was straight on the blower and were like to the lawyer, come on, oh, wait, what's he been saying? And I've never seen a blow. He was shit scared, come towards us. And he goes, um, five years. And we were like, what? What do you mean five years? He says, oh, it was either going to be five or seven years and the gave you a five-year sentence for weapons. And we're like, what? Who you taking the piss? And you just kind of just stood there <laughs> and you're just like, am I hearing this correct? Like, yeah. Did you just say five years? I'm not, I know, I'm not in on this joke. Can you? <laughs> and like, obviously, we're all, the court ends kind of, and everyone's like, bustling what the fuck's going on with the embassy 
the Estonians dealing with theirs and ours. And they're like, well, my belongings is at this hotel. My belongings are in Chennai. What the, like, what the fuck? So uh, she says, right, tell, I su- what I suggest you do, ring your families. And I'm thinking, how the fuck do I do this, man? Yeah, how do you how do you then phone your families and say five years? So I ring me me ex partner. I say, look, it's not gone well. She's bubbling, doing the phone. I said, look, I'm going away for five years. Do me one amazing favor and get on with your life. Please don't wait for me. It's not fair. Can you go to my hotel, where my hostel, pack my belongings up and drop it off at the embassy, please? She went, right, okay, no problem. I'll do that. I then rung me dad. I said, right, dad, are you sat down? He goes, aye. What's going on? I went, it's not good. It's the weapons. He says, the weapons are fine. No, I said, dad, I know. But this is India. Yeah. They make the rules. He says, so what then? Five years. Gans, you're fucking joking, aren't you? I went, no. He goes, but the weapons are fine, though. I said, I and I, Dad. <laughs> yeah. Nah, yeah. I'm trying not to get emotional. Okay. But he's, trying to, I've, he's just heard his son say he's going to prison for five years. And he's tr- not really an emotional guy, and he's trying to, what, what you know, he's trying yeah, yeah. to. Not, he's trying to disbelieve it. He's trying to put the weapons are fine. I said, Dad, I know they are, but it counts for shit here. Yeah. We had the best lawyers money could buy. And that's why I keep saying thank, thank you to the amazing people because you paid for my legal team. Yeah. You donated. Every pound someone donated went to our legal team because we were on our arse. I bet. So I, I then said to dad and my dad, I rung my sister. I went, Lisa, right, um, I suggest you get the mams immediately. It's not good. She went, what do you mean it's not good? I said, I'll tell you. Get the mams. Text us when you're there, and I'll ring back. So my sister went to our to our mams with her, uh, my mams' friend, and she, she did the phone call. She says, right, Nick, you're on loudspeaker. I went, right, um, mom, are you there? And obviously my mom can't speak properly due to yeah. her aneurysm, so she kind of speaks certain words and the majority of the time it's gobbledygook, but she can understand you. I said, that sentence were to five years, and I tell you what, you'd think my mom was a wounded animal. She just burst out howling. I shit you not, it was the most horrible thing I've ever witnessed in my life. The rage that was cursing through my veins and that red box of that red mist, anger, evil, was trying to take over. And I was like, no, because things will go tits up. I wanted to strangle that judge's throat till no end. Was yeah. born in a hit Obviously, te- letting the anger take over that would have 
that could have been even more well, detrimental. Been, yeah, definitely. It would have been detrimental. And I think that's why the police were stood there because they were probably because ex- these Estonians I was with would be chucking people yeah, around. They were big bastards. They were big bastards. I would have just I would have gone to hell. I would have just wrapped uh, rifles around their necks. I would have not cared for my life. Yeah. I would have took as many of them out as possible. Um but you, you you've got to be professional. Take it on the chin. Yes, there was a few shouts. Obviously, the Estonians and the Russians and Ukrainians chucking it in their lingo. We were just kind of thinking, fuck. Obviously, there was media there for us and they caught when we were getting on the bus to go back to prison. Um, Because they weren't too sure if they were going to put it back in the local nick or fish were back up to Chennai. But we made a a long bus journey back to Chennai um, and had to wait to get a new bus because the tyre burst. <laughs> I'm thinking, and we will keep telling them to slow down as well. Imagine if that tyre burst and we're, out, we're not in a ditch, man. Yeah. Okay. Unbelievable. Just crack. That's I was me. just made. Um, so, obviously, yeah, we're all, few will have a piece of the media and that. You see me pleading with David Cameron, the then Prime Minister, say, this is now on you, bring us home, or words to that effect. And then that was us, back to Hotel California, but the uh, actual prison next door to the remand one. And the time we got there, it was daylight, and the previous one we got there at night, so we travelled through the night, and it was quite horrible because there you go your Indians falling asleep with the weapons and you've yeah. just got your, your lack of food, water my head stopping all I could think of was my family yeah. I couldn't give a fuck about me or worry about me later all I could care was you'd think I'd just put a gun to my mum and dad's head and pull the trigger for the news I just gave them Yeah, it must have been heart- heartbreaking for you and, and well for the family as well it was horrible for all of us. You know, people yeah. got kids and all that. I'm grateful I don't have kids. That would have just added yeah. more pain and worry onto me. So back to prison, now a five-year sentence. And it was a it was hard because we've been in prison. We didn't think we we're going to be going back. So you've got to go through the whole rigmarole. Yes, yeah. this was a total different prison, but we had to fight for stuff. You've got, I don't give a fuck what people say, you've got to make friends in prison, but you keep yeah. them at arm's point. No, yeah. What, what works in the UK prisons, it works in every prison. Yeah, you've got to make your friends, you've got to make the clicks, haven't you? But exactly. also, But also, exactly. you've got to remember that they are prisoners as well, so exactly. if they if need you to have you in the back, then they will. If you wanted a lighter... You got to pay for it. I think the going rate was like four packs of biddies, five packs of biddies for a lighter. Um, I didn't touch the, any of the drugs. Um, did I use a mobile phone when one of the lads got one? Absolutely. But I used it sparingly and I used it if there was in, new information um, mm. to tell. But I could not dare speak to my mum because she would just hound, hound, hound my sister. I literally have to, have to 
when I because I my sister's number was the only number I could remember off me top of my head. Red, yeah. So when I had the chance to use that phone, I would say, right, Lisa, this is the new news, blah de blah. If you hear anything similar or added bits, discredit that. What is the truth comes from my mouth. Yeah. Because we I got told, we got told by the lads who went and spoke with a lawyer. And they went, why not? I'm not going to add my twist on it. This is what she said. You're hearing exactly from me. So there's me yeah, fucking yeah. putting your spin on this, putting your spin on that, putting your spin. Everyone does that. Yeah, definitely. We're all pivoted, but I, I made it fucking crystal clear. Tell me so I can tell my family and my family knows. So if they hear anything different, they can say, well, I'm sorry. There you go. Because that was happening in the camp. There was a few family members thinking, fucking one thing, and, and we're like, yeah, yeah. Hang on, a minute, hang on a minute. At one point, right in the early days, I think, one of, again, I don't know who it was, but apparently all the families were saying the weapons aren't uh, licensed. And my, I'm having my family in, let us say, the weapons aren't like, so they were flapping like fucking the UK. Yeah, but... And I'm like, hang on a minute. And then you start questioning in the way, no, the weapons are fucking legal, Nick. I said, good. So, right, just to let you know, the weapons are legitimate. So take it, and then that calmed the, the camp down a bit on the family side. But like we were saying, look, if you've got any information, share it. Didn't be fucking keeping any information yourself. We're in this together. But you, you get people like that. Like it's some sort of cool. Uh, any information that I got, I gave to fucking everyone. I said, look, yeah. if you've heard something different, let us know. And then we can meet in the middle which information's the more truer. Yep. Because everyone puts a little spin on it. Makes sense. That happens, man. That happens. That's that's just fucking life in general. Um it was it was difficult learning the whole prison, but like I say, when you're you're, you're mentally able to do things you get yourself into a routine and that's when i keep referring me military and people who are non-military will go oh well i mean fuck off mate if you were non-military you go in that corner cry for fucking mommy and not function yeah. military we have that realization and then we'll go right fucking here we go i need to sort me shit out that yeah, is yeah. the military when the but, shit hits the fan yeah you take your condo moment and Boots on, crack on. Yeah, exactly. And no matter which way you looked at it, we're in this together. We're you don't have to fucking like every fucking person, but I'm not going to get out till you you get out. Yeah, exactly. So let's try and work together as hard as it fucking is. And yes, there was little factions breaking up and people squabbling and arguing. That's fucking life. We're yeah. all hurting together. We're all hurting and we're all lash out. I fucking kicked off in the hospital and got put into lockdown. So I was flavour of the fucking for about three months. I was man most hated. Yeah. But people couldn't leave the compound because of me because I lost my shit and had a massive scrap in the hospital. But I apologised. I said, sorry, lads. But I lost my head. I'm sorry. 
but we're all fucking feeling. We're back once again. <laughs> fucking Zoom. Mm, mental. So you were saying um, just before it cut off again. Fucking, yeah. Fucking Zoom. But obviously, you had a moment where you um, got into a bit of a scrap. In, in yeah. Was it in hospital? Was that like was a, a regular occurrence? But like the violent side? No, definitely not. And we saw some other things during the two times when we were in prison, like times where we were getting bricks and stones throughout uh, to the point where we had to have prison guards escorted to the kitchen. There's been, there was times where I saw an Indian prisoner with his throat slit, claret going everywhere, screaming and shouting. The guards couldn't care. There was a body on the gurney with a sheet wheeled down, just parked by the main entrance Fucking as you come hell. out of the jailer's office. There was the time where it was a big something to do with drugs and they got the, the culprits involved and they used latty sticks over there and it's how they de- do them. They hit on there the, and then they're down and then basically they hit the soles of your feet so you can't run away and I remember the first time my sister came to visit us on her final visit as she was leaving. I saw these prisoners getting hit with a latty stick and I was saying to myself, don't look. And I said, I stupidly said to my sister, I went, oh, don't look. Well, that's the big hint, isn't it? She looked, didn't she? So all she saw was... Yeah, as she's leaving. So then she was probably thinking, is that happening to my brother? And obviously, I had to reassure her, saying it. No, it didn't. By minutes, but it's yeah. it must, have, it must have been quite worrying for for you, like not knowing if like the guards oh. were going to do anything oh, or if the prisoners were going to do it. It would be the last thing they did. Yeah, because we were tr- we were showing that we're not bad people, and yeah, yeah. when the superintendent we showed her before she went on maternity leave. Well, leave to go and give birth because she was pregnant. <laughs> and uh, we showed her the we- we- uh, copies of the weapons certificates, right? And she was a trained lawyer. And she looked at them and she went, why are you in my prison? We said, I wish we knew that ourselves. Oh, yeah. so, <laughs> I, wish, I wish we could give you that answer. <laughs> yeah, it was difficult because the language barrier yeah, yeah, there. Wait, 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 and it's like, but you learn, and I learned, if you scream at these, they're just like an ostrich, just put their head in the sand and wait till you stop screaming. Yeah. You talk to them like a human, more like of a child human, because you, you've got to slow your, your accent yeah. down. Yeah, because English isn't their main language, so they can speak English to a certain degree, some of the like the GLRs and yeah. where it's been difficult and, for you with a with a northeast accent as well. Well, I we're working we're, we're working abroad. I just took my accent off. Like fair enough. I, I took my accent off because when you're dealing with foreign nationals, when you're working abroad, you need to take your accent off and speak just bump the Queen's English to a degree without the twang, um, <laughs> and monotone. So. Yeah. You know, the good old clasp. 
but without the without being saying it as an aura. So you realise we're not going to get anything done shouting. Mm. So it's like help me help you kind of thing for the yeah. prison authority. They they don't want us there as much as we want to be there. So um, you kind of build a rapport with them, and they are they do like we used to get like tuna sent in because we said oh with fish oils it's good for our bodies. My my friend used to send me parcels, and you know the little the packs that look like cat food. Yep. They just sandwich, took the sandwich and... Like you're getting a ration pack. Yeah, like that. Basically, if there was more than five, what he would do is he'd say, and take two off you. <laughs> you yeah. get three, so... It, <clears throat> and you're like... It, at first, you're like using your shit, but then you start to realise how they think. They're like doing you a favour by letting you have some, but showing that you're not allowed to have it, really. And it's a goodwill gesture by the director of prisons and the meeting with the embassy to allow us to have it. Yeah, yeah. You, you, you then start and think, I see where you're coming from. You know what I mean? So you kind of... It's annoying because when I left prison, I got loads of tuna and all that back and... I was thinking, oh, cheers. <laughs> oh, by the way, this is yours, Nick. I went, oh, I thought they would have just ate it or binned it. I wasn't yeah. expecting it. But I was thinking, yeah, oh, yes, yeah. I know yeah. what I'm eating. <laughs> <laughs> so it wasn't that bad or stuff. But like I say, there was the good times, the bad times, the times where you... But was there any just... times that you were starting to lose a bit of hope, even though you knew there was a five-year sentence? That you thought, fuck it, um, they're just going to have more days on. I, I admitted to myself, if I have in my mindset, I'm going to do the five years, anything beforehand's a bonus. Yeah. Um, I did start and feel down in the dumps when we're waiting a, waiting a year for a, uh, a, a result to the appeal hearing. And you're thinking, well, they've just dragged a year out. What if they drag another year out? Yeah, got you. Yeah, we're getting close to a five years. That's nearly going to be seven and a half years in total if we get out after five years. So that's when I was like begging with my sister, look, you've got to bring my dad out. Because mm. my birthday's in March. And when we got the got released was in the end of November. So I needed that. Need that. Need a boost. Yeah. So yeah, she bring me, me dad out, and it was just an amazing feeling. But as the months go, went by, you start and just because you're hearing nothing back, and the government was like, "We don't want to rock the boat." I'm thinking, I don't give a fuck, man. You rock <laughs> that boat. Yeah, you you're not fucking in here. <laughs> We're innocent. Start yeah. and make noise now. Yeah, we've been convicted. You you can make noise. Yeah. Um, Not pussyfooting around and get me out of this place. Exactly. But you know, it 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 was what it was, and no matter how much I look back at it, 
yes, there were certain things I wish when you, you know, that's hindsight, it's a wonderful thing. But even if we did and knew some of the stuff that we knew, you know what? Hand on my heart, it probably wouldn't have made a fucking difference. Yeah, it seems like it was all uh, all aligned for them to try and make a it point. Was, yeah. Look, when my sister rung Amnesty International and she was saying about my welfare and saying it's a breach of human rights and this, that and the other, they, they asked my sister which country I was held in and she said India and they went, nah, sorry, didn't touch them. And she went, well, but you're the international human right. Ah, no, not interested. And that's Amnesty International. That goes, that goes to show. So, so when you hear Westerners on the news crying about their human rights abroad, yeah. and you hear Amnesty International are involved, I'm thinking, no, they're not. Yeah. They're not involved at all. Nah. They're just putting their name out to make them look like they are involved. They're not, because they weren't involved for me. Yeah. Why it all happened when, you know, India and the UK are, as in the words of David Cameron said, a blossoming relationship. Sounds like it. <laughs> Why is it happening? Yeah. <clears throat> Whether we were some sort of a political pawn to help leverage a better deal for the trades, who knows? Yeah. I guarantee you it probably was mentioned. Any time there was a mention that British delegates would be getting together, we were there, front and centre. Yeah. And I said, I didn't want to be the end where the conversation's done and dusted and it's like, oh, farewell. Yeah, like an afterthought. Oh, don't forget we've got these guys in. Oh, yeah. yeah, no problem. I want this to be mentioned as soon as you walk in. Fuck your trade deals. These are innocent men's lives here you're playing yeah. with. Yeah, fucking taking the piss. Done in an instant. Getting these men home to their families is a priority. And that's fucking when is. your sister said, you've had 50 meetings, Prime Minister to Prime Minister on many occasions, and yet, I'm sorry, talking is not good enough. We want to see action. Because yeah. actions speak louder than words. Fucking right, it does. It was just agonising, hurtful, but I never gave up hope. Yeah. I might, I might have lost my way mentally a bit, feeling down in the dumps, that's natural. But I always knew I would one day be reunited with my family. And when it came to... Like the time where we got too old for the decision, we were like, it's on like Donkey Kong here. Um, and I was thinking, if they reject, we go up to Supreme Court, the Supreme Court, grand of all India, Chief Justice himself has literally said, I want a decision within two weeks. That's basically indirectly saying, get these out now, but do it in the legal way. Yeah. Because if you don't finish the court proceedings and we just get them out of the country, that'll look like very... India has done something wrong. Yeah, that looks very, very suspicious. Bad to India. Because the thing about India, they do bad anyways, 
because they do not care what the world thinks of them. No. They're not interested. They're just like the Chinese. They do not care. They're like, yeah, and so what? We're yeah. India. We can do yeah. what we want. You yeah, because they think they're the biggest democracy and they think they're a massive superpower. Talk about putting wood in tin. That's India down to But I met some great people out there. Yeah. Not all Indians are bad. If I thought all Indians were bad, my previous partner wouldn't have been Indian. Yeah. So they do have they are lovely people as well. I'm on when I mention it, when I refer to Indian, I'm on about their judicial system. Yeah, their yeah. Police, their corruption of their governments. That's what I'm mainly meaning. Not necessarily their people. But at the end of the day, like the court date was on a Monday. We knew we weren't going to be the first heard, not a chance. And uh, I remember on the Sunday evening, the Chennai radio was playing rock ballads. And I've always liked this song anyways, but the song means so much more to me now because it has a meaning that's got a place, not just as an 80s classic, but it's a, cl a song which was the beginning of the journey home. And that song's called The Final Countdown by Europe. And that came on on the radio. And I stood up and I went, that's it. It's over tomorrow. It's over. And you can understand a few guys going, oh, we'll just see. We'll see. A bit apprehensive. Right. No, no. Maybe, maybe that was a front that I was putting up. But i tell you what, my spirits were lifted. None of us really slept that night because we knew the next morning the races were on. So I thought to myself, I'm not going to sit around, you know, having me head like a spin dryer. Yeah. Headless. And I try to make my day like a productive day. If I get hit, told the news, I get told the news. I take it on the chin, whatever it is. Um, And I was outside uh, having a workout in my Flintstone gym. Um. <laughs> Yeah, well, the pictures are mine. I got my sister to send us a spy pen, and so I took pictures of my gym and stuff like that, and uh, just to give people a, a bit of an insight. Because um, I knew the media did use a few prisons of India, but there's pictures, but some of them like weren't mine. The outside yeah, yeah. of the prison. I got you. Yeah. Were. So I did get questioned by a few people are they legitimate? I'm thinking, I mean, um, so obviously I released them pictures when the book came out. So for those who don't really have a, a, a mind where you can imagine things, you can read what I say in my book to then look at my pictures and really yeah. think, wow, you, yeah. you know. Um, it's not nice. <laughs> yeah, not nice. <laughs> um, and... It was around tea time it, and uh, I was training and, and one of the lads was shouting at it at the barred window. And you know when someone's full of emotions where you don't know if they're going to laugh or cry at the same time and they're trying yeah. to speak. Yeah. Basically, he was like, Dunny, Dunny, Dunny. I was like, what, what, what? He goes, that's it. Full acquittal. It's over. It's over. And I was buzzing. I was like, see, I told you. I told you. 
<laughs> you know, you got to have confidence, but deep yeah, yeah, down, cool. if it was the worst decision, then it'll go to the Supreme Court and I'll just won't be home for Christmas. Bye bye. And then that was it. You can imagine that whole night, no one slept again. Yeah, the, the relief must have been. Yeah, it was ridiculous. Like the the feeling of sorrow, pain, and suffering amongst the men was uplift, was just lifted off their shoulders. Finally, something progression. Yeah. Some progression of some sort. We're getting the victory, right? When do we get out of this prison? Uh and we were out of that prison the next door before the paperwork turned up. Because they just wanted to get you out of there. George turned around and said, get them out of that prison now, yeah. regardless of whether the paperwork turned up. So I'm around the compound, walking around, do a training set, walk around. So as I'm walking around, one of the I catch one of the lads. I said, where are you off to? Oh, I've been summoned by the superintendent. I went, all right, okay. So doing the same and I come round again and he comes walking in I went what's the crack what's the crack he goes embassy's coming at 11 o'clock get your get your shit ready and he just carried on and I abruptly stopped and I felt ill my legs started wobbling it, it, honestly you'd think someone had just hoofed us in the stomach I was mm. winded I was thinking what the fuck is he what and I kind of went round and I thought, and I was starting to shake, thinking, what a... So I went into the, to the cell and everyone's bustling around fucking like blue ass flies and heedless chickens. And I'm for, I'm not fucking Russian because I know what it'll be. You'll be, wait, 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 and fuck this. So I just calmed down, yeah, cooled down. Like one of those hurry up and waits. Yeah, hurry up and wait. Yeah, I'm so west. I've I spent my time in the army doing that. <laughs> yeah, in India doing the same fucking thing as well. So I wasn't waiting, and uh, you could see the cheer, the joy in people's faces, and you know people coming up us, kissing me head. Just you could see the the tears in their eyes, man. It was beautiful. Yeah. And I was just thinking, what the fuck? And I showed you the video. That's the, that's when my family physically get the text of it's been yeah, acquitted. Yeah. That, that was re- uh, such a beautiful moment. From yeah, coming, coming, coming from family, such a fucking... A family. Yeah, coming from such a horrible situation that you were put in. But that moment where they say that you're coming home and it's oh it's yeah it fucking got to me and I, I don't even I didn't even know you then. Yeah, <laughs> I was watching it going Jesus. Same with me coming home as well. Like I didn't realise that was on Facebook Live. People were telling us yeah it was unbelievable. But like I say that's for a, a, another day. But seeing the embassy, the foreign delegates of the prison come, the su- superintendent come, because I said, I bet she comes when, even though she's on leave, I bet she comes to say to Darla, she did. She 
understood we shouldn't have been there. Yeah. You, uh, you had the High Commissioner from Delhi, the Deputy High Commissioner there. And it was just amazing to like leave that to get in an aircon vehicle and just go, that part's over, but it's not over till I'm touched down in Newcastle Airport. Yeah. And then we got to the embassy. And like I say, I, I rung my sister and with a connection, didn't think she realized because it would have came up unknown number. I said, Lisa, it's me. I'm out. I'm out. And she went, obviously, she was cheering, screaming. Yeah, yeah. And she <laughs> said, don't worry. I'm literally on the way to the airport. I'm coming to get you. And she was on the way to the airport. And uh, I want, I thought, I stayed in slum. So the mission to seafarers put me up in the Radisson Blue, which was near the visa place, which was near the embassy. So I was, I wasn't. I didn't have to do much travelling, so I wanted yeah. to be there. And um, my partner, she came to uh, visit us and stay. And then the next morning, uh, my sister, I got a phone call from the uh, reception. Oh, by the way, Mr. Dunn, your sister is here. So I've come down in my dressing gown. The, the media was there and my sister is there. My hair's down here. I look like <laughs> a bag of shit. It was just an amazing feeling. Like she didn't have to come out, but she wanted to make sure that yeah, I got she on that. To make sure you were, yeah. Um, but I, going through the whole days of sorting up paperwork, they were dragging it out. Guys were getting pissed off. Understandable. Yeah. I just thought, well, I'm here with my sister, here with my partner at the time. Just let the days go by, trying to bulk up a bit because, you know, I needed to eat some decent food, which was going in one. Yeah, I bet hour. it was. Your, st your stomach was probably going, what the fuck is this? Yeah. <laughs> the majority of the food that we ate in prison was a stew, and mm. I've never eaten a stew since. No, I bet you haven't. I think yeah, I must have been a long, yeah. long time. Uh, but it got to the time where we're at the visa place and I picked a, uh, I picked the flight where I would only be in Dubai an hour from the exchange yep. flight. And something must have came up because the embassies were checking my flight and she said to me, she went, Nick, um, You've got to go the night. And because they were pissing around too much, I couldn't go to the airport to see my sister. Oh, yeah, yeah, of course. So it was a bit annoying. That, so I, my sister was wondering. So I said, Look, I've got what? Just get yourself home. This is the flight I've got to get. I've got to go tonight. And she went, What do you mean? I said, They're kicking me out, basically. They're yeah, wanting, yeah. wanting the heat off with now. So I could, so literally everyone had to leave that country. Didn't matter where you had to fucking go, get out of that India. Yeah, get the so fuck out. My flight was fucking booked. Get me to Dubai. So a four-hour flight. I hadn't slept in a week here. I am running on fucking caffeine and fumes here. I'm an adrenaline. Yeah. Got to, got to Dubai. Had to wait six hours. Literally, I had no money, no phone. 
well, I, I, could, I couldn't get on the Wi-Fi. And anyone who's been to Dubai knows you can always get Wi-Fi. It's like someone was saying, do not let Nick connect. <laughs> yeah, he's not allowed it. He's not allowed. And I was on, I was on in the airport and I was, had this Americ- Americano that I managed to somehow get. And I made it last because I was thinking, if I fall asleep and miss my flight, that's going to go down a fucking tree. Isn't it? <laughs> yeah. I managed to get on the flight and <clears throat> I had to endure a seven-hour flight. And I tell you what, I had my own trolley dolly, but it was low-key. She wouldn't serve anyone else. She would discreetly f- fuck them off and she would always come to me. And I noticed people recognised us yeah. from that flight. Because I was like that. <laughs> I was, I was my hair's all over the shop, and I'm like, like ah, look like I haven't slept in a week, which I hadn't. Not not too good because you think, well, everyone's got this. Oh, I'll just jump in that nice bed and I'll be plush. Yeah, it's not like that. that no, I would rather I, I slept. I tried to sleep on the floor, man. Yeah, yeah, I was more comfortable sleeping on the floor than I was. Well, because like, you're used to it, aren't you? Yeah. Because I was used to it. Like, my ex at the time, she was like, Nick, what are you doing? I said, I've got to sleep on the floor here. I kind of get comfortable. It's like Castaway, isn't it? Is it Castaway? Castaway, aye. Yeah, where he gets picked up and then he's in the hotel, but he has to sleep on the... Yeah, yeah. sleep on the floor, isn't yeah. it? It's so, so surreal. It's weird. But, like... I was drained. Mm. Absolutely drained. A few people on the plane were like... Mouth and I was like, uh, the, the didn't there's no one disturbed us, and it was absolutely lovely. And they said, Right, we're coming, we're going to be coming into Newcastle soon. Um, do you want to get off the plane first? Do you just want to wait? I said, I'll just let everyone get off first, you know, because it's going to be bustling. I'm pretty jet lagged, yeah. And I, I, it's let me, I'm, I'm like nodding off, and I, I always had dreams. And never dream one dream was the same. But one thing in that dream always remained the same is when you come in and the captain says, Right, can you buckle up, get back your seats? We're coming into airspace and we're gonna approach the land. Yeah. Something along the same line. That happened, and honestly, you'd think Duracell battery out, high power Duracell battery in. And I was like, boom. Yeah everything and on my flight path it kind of comes near where my town is and I was looking out the window and I was like buzzing thinking oh, I bet you was yeah um, it, the, excuse me the most important time of my life hmm. I never realised was the fucking hardest and we got we landed, everyone got off the plane, the captain came out, all the trolley dollies were shaking my hand saying, welcome home. I literally got to the top of the stairs and <sighs> crisp British clean December air Beautiful. was amazing. And I started walking down the steps and the bag of tandas were like, Clapping, saying "Welcome home," and I, I choked, and I've only fell fell down because I was yeah. becoming so overwhelmed. And the bus was stood there. 
And I thought, oh, and I kind of got on the bus and I went, sorry, sorry. And they were like, oh, no, don't worry, don't worry. Yeah. Or you. <coughs> and then we went, like that. And I was at the main doors and one of the airport staff picked us up. And I, like I've said many times, I like to say thank you to Newcastle uh, Airport for facilitating um, my welcome home. It was truly amazing to what you did because the carousel hadn't even turned up and my bag was waiting. Wow. My bag was waiting before the rest of my flight's carousel started. It's like they got the baggage handler jumped on that plane and went, where's his scruffy purple cobweb ridden bag? Oh, there yeah. it is. <laughs> yeah. That, that bag looks like it's been in India. <laughs> I'm ready to do that. Yeah. It was a trophy. And I got got me bag and I went past the the one door into the next. She stopped us and she went, right, I can't do this journey. This journey's for you alone. And she off she went. And I tell you what, I stopped and I was like trying to compose myself and other people from a different flight or maybe there's certain people on my flight getting their bags and filtering through. Like it opened up and I saw all the media down one side, my family and people who were come to see us down one side and then it shut again and I shit myself. The, the most amazing time of my life has now become the hardest. Yeah. I couldn't do it. I was like, how the fuck do I do this? You know, I've been waiting for this moment for four years and I can't even walk through them doors. You know, and, it, and I was like, well, so I, I, I kind of built myself back up. And I started to walk and some other guy came out, opened the door, and my dad must have been talking to my sister. He's clocked us and he's gone, he's there, he's there. And I've gone, I saw Lisa turn and then it was like a magnet. Yeah. And that's when you see, obviously, we come together when I come through them doors. It, it was just amazing. It was a like, beautiful moment. To, to just see people who took that time to witness this and I later found out it was all on Facebook Live. People were getting their hair done, stopping watching me come home. Come, come home. And just seeing their amazing comments because what my sister did was she touched a lot of people's hearts. Yeah. Because you know we're never here stuff like this. It's always about someone who's really done something bad and you hear that, but you never hear something of mis a massive miscarriage of ju judgment. Yeah. Oh, exactly. I, if I was guilty, I would have admitted it to my family and I don't think, it, and it wouldn't have been on the same wavelength because my sister didn't have a leg to stand on if I was guilty. Because no. I was innocent, she made a promise, I will do everything I can to raise awareness and try and get you home in one way, shape or another. But unfortunately, it was down to our legal team and 
you know, like I say, unfortunately, it was down to a man's health, mm. which made things progress a lot quicker. And that's a, a horrible thing to to think about, that India were going to risk someone of us to die for me to get my freedom. Yeah, that's fucking sickening. No, so, but seeing me mum for the first time, okay, it was in a wheelchair. It destroyed me. Mm. I, bet, I, I didn't bet it did. care about anyone else in the world, but to see her again. Yeah. You know, and the media are fantastic. They, they weren't like what everyone perceives them to be at times. They were really, the, the media that supported me, I thank them as well, because I know a lot of the fam other families were a bit skeptical on talking with the media, but they weren't as bad as what they thought. Yeah. My sister gave the media what they want because they were defending me. They were not painting me in a bad light because I was innocent. Um, and you, and I did two live uh, uh, ITV and BBC news uh, that evening and you could see it, time was catching up on me. Yeah, um, I was going to say, they did it that evening as well. Cheers. <laughs> I, I was I was licked beyond. But you were like, I just want to go home and have a a decent meal, hot bath, chill out for a bit. Can we do this? Like, that's what the first thing I just wanted a bath. I had a bath for like four years. Yeah, but you just wanted to be clean. Yeah, proper clean. Like proper, yeah. Like like there's there's washing in washing there, but then there's washing my yeah. clothes in a bucket. I got them same same clothes, put them in washer. Let's say there were uh, a white, a shade of white. Some of the clothes, you know, mental, but uh, yeah, it was an end of a chapter. Um, but I didn't think it would lead on to another chapter, yeah. I thought that was it. Obviously, once good things happened, and you know, I've met, met some amazing people, yeah, did some uh... amazing things. It's, but you know when the dust settles. Yeah, that's what it, I was going to say. It's when it's when everything goes quiet. It's when everything I've goes quiet that it creeps up on you. Yeah. But but as we as we said in the um, messages on uh, Instagram, we'll we'll save that for a, for a part two when we uh, yeah, because dive deeper into that. Because otherwise yeah. we're going to go full Joe Rogan here and we'll be here for four hours. <laughs> oh, well, I've had a few people where they're going right now. We've got an hour and a half, and then this, and it's getting close to a half, an hour and a half. And they said, "Nick, just keep going." Yeah, I, I definitely would. Going, I definitely would. I, I, don't, I don't want to stop. I want to keep listening because you're blowing my mind out yeah. at how humble and how honest you are, and how emotional you know. You are showing the 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 viewers and the listeners. Hundred percent, mate. You 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 literally yeah. are through through every bit of your story. You're you're showing everything from the emotional side to the humorous side to the strong side to the side where you're vulnerable, and it is it is really compelling. Um, which and is I'll, why when we is, do the second part, I will show you what the vulnerable side is. Yeah, and we're looking forward to that definitely. Um, 
But obviously, the reason why I'm going to cut it short for this time is, well, it is fucking getting late, and I've got I got regular I got regular human work at five in the morning. So, um, yeah, trust me, if this was my full time job, I'd be out here all the time. It's, but one can dream, one can dream. Um, but before we close off, Nick, one thing I do want to sort of just touch on before the timer runs out anyway. How come you're a United fan and not a Newcastle fan? This is a, a lot of people ask me this. Um, as I was getting into football at such a young age, I remember someone by me, you know, the old Liverpool grey strip when they had candy. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, another one. And I looked at it and I, I, oh, you got to do the, put it on to make people yeah, yeah. really appreciate it. And I was like, I went, get that off. And my family sports Newcastle. Um, and red's my favourite colour. And my mum told me that my granddad, who I never met because he died before I was born, supported Man United. I so that, that started getting into Man United. And then I realised, obviously, Bobby Charlton comes from the town I'm from, Ashington. Oh, awesome. Yeah. So I just started following Man United. And obviously, yes, people, you call us what you want. I'll, I've... I've sat, and, I've sat and watched we'll get beat 6-1, 7-0 this season. Obviously, yes, it would have been great to be at the stadium. I try to go at the games as best as I can, but I will always support Man United. And Same here. What Tom Hank is doing is fantastic. We're starting to pick up injuries, but that is not a bad thing because it goes to show you how yeah. you need squad depth. Need squad depth, and it also shows that how far we come that we're fighting on all fronts. Played exactly. the most game, the most games in in Europe. It's, yes, uh, exactly, and it goes to show we are playing the United way, and the United yep. way is to win everything. If exactly. You, if you're, and I, I kept hearing, oh, sacrifice the Carabao Cup, sacrifice the Everton, nah. focus on top four. You are not a United fan if you think nah, that. I agree. I totally if you, agree. If you say that in Alex Ferguson, he'd slap the fucking living shit out of you. Because he, he was built on gambling and winning. The last 15 minutes, you're 2-0 down. Fergie just went, get the fuck off. Get on the pitch. Win. Yeah, and would win 3-2. Or would narrowly get beat 2-1. Or would draw 2-2. Yeah. We're starting to see that again. Definitely are. And well, looking looking forward to the game tomorrow. Yes. All to, all to it's a shame for. we couldn't have gone there 2 0, but that's yeah. football for you. Exactly. Two stupid on goals. But exactly. fuck me. Probably. Yeah. But Nick, that's why it's a beautiful game. But yeah. anyways. Mate, genuinely privileged to have you on and we will definitely book in for either next week or a week after, yeah, whenever you're free, man. and we'll get that second part done. That's great. Thank you for having us. No, I appreciate it. Thanks for your time. Cheers, Cheers, buddy. Bye-bye. Hello. You're at the adverts. So don't turn off. Don't turn off, because I've got some good stuff for you. First up, going to talk about our sponsors. Kent CBD is our first sponsor. Now, CBD oil, as you know, has tremendous benefits especially within mental health and physical health personally 
I use it to help with my anxiety and my depression. But not only that, I also use it to help with the aches and pains of life in my joints, especially my ankles and my knees. Um, but yeah, without CBD oil, I would have still been on my antidepressant tablets, which I'm no longer on. So, you know, every cloud. And what we're going to do here at Granite Zero is we're going to give you 10% off everything from oil, muscle rub, jellies, bath salts, the lot. Yeah? Make sure you get in there. www.kentcbd.org. Put in the promo code Granite Zero and get yourself 10% off. You are welcome. But also, if you're like me and you love a nice cup of coffee, now, for me, I only drink one coffee, and that's Green Beret coffee. Now, I don't only drink it because it's out of this world fucking coffee, roast to order, grinded to whatever specific grind you want. But not only that, it's veteran owned and veteran run, which, you know, hits me right in the feels. So make sure you check it out, Green Beret Coffee. Get yourself a nice cup of coffee. I drink it dark, just like my soul. Incredible stuff, incredible stuff. And what I'm going to give for you, I'm going to give you 10% off. So once you get to the checkout, once you've got all your coffee, your products, your apparel, whatever you need, get to the checkout and put in the promo code GZPODCAST10 and get yourself 10% off, courtesy of the Granite Zero Podcast. You are welcome. Now, that's enough of me talking about this stuff. Back to the regular scheduled show. Check it out!